Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number seven of the Spiraling Podcast. I am your host, Jackson Wallace. I got my friend, my buddy, my pal, Jason Holland, president and founder of Holland Foundation uh, with us here today. But we also have a special guest. We have our second guest, number two. I'm excited. It's not just me and Jason. I know I know everybody at home, okay, you guys are always thinking, gosh, Jason and Jackson, so boring. Okay, yeah, we, we, we're here loud and clear. We got friends. We, we, we have people here today. We have our special guest, Michael Perrin, who is the Minister of Life Recovery at Prestonwood Baptist Church down in Plano, Texas. Michael, how are you, bud? Doing well, doing well. Great to be with you guys. Glad you're here with us today, man. We're super glad that you're here. Um, I know you're short for time today, but before we kind of get into it, uh, maybe you can kind of give the listeners a little bit of a background uh, about you. Sure, absolutely. Um, so for me, uh, my story is uh, not any different than many stories, but it's my story. I uh, grew up going to church, grew up in a, in a decent, upstanding kind of middle class family yeah. in Minnesota and uh, had a younger sister and life seemed to be the leave it to beaver kind of mentality along the way. Very cool. uh, about around the age of 15 or so, um, the religion that I was practicing at the time uh, really didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, the okay. infallibility of one person and this idea that we needed a mediator between ourselves and God uh, just didn't really, it didn't jive with me. So sure. I went out and essentially uh, left church, left the religion and started to form my own religion, uh, essentially based on drinking and smoking dope. And so about the age of 15, began down that path, uh, managed to function, if that's an appropriate word. I, I always love that term, a functioning yeah. addict. I don't I don't agree with that. I don't know if you're functioning uh, purposefully if you're an addict, but managed to get through high school, managed to get into college, and that just exacerbated the problem. So not only now was I unbridled from the perspective of having my parents and having to worry and come home, I was free and clear to basically go out and right. do whatever I did. So I took the world for everything that it had, managed to get kicked out of college because my grades were so poor um, and navigated kind of in and out of jobs back and forth until finally I reached a point where I needed help. And it was, the help that I needed, though, was extrinsic. It was, you know, people were coming after me for money that I owed them. A variety of different things were happening yeah. in my life that I really couldn't navigate or manage. And so my answer was, well, I'll, I'll go to treatment and get a little vacation and take 28 days in order to reset my life. Uh, so I did. Went back, went, to, went through treatment. Obviously, it didn't help because a week later I got a DUI and went back into treatment again. But in that time, it kind of stuck, you know, for about a year, year and a half. I was working a program really well, had a sponsor, was doing all the things that people said I should do. But I still wasn't doing it for myself. I still wasn't doing it because I knew these things to be true. I was basing my reality on what somebody else was telling me and it was appropriate. Um, that lasted, as I said, for about a year and a half. And then I remember the night I went back out again. It was a Thursday evening, went out with some buddies and started drinking. Uh, but I, I drank smartly, if, if, if you know what I mean when I say yeah. that. I, I drank with a little bit of knowledge, which was a real dangerous place for an addict mm -hmm. to be. Because now I knew what I needed to say and how I needed to behave in order to keep you off my back. You know, oh, I'm working the steps or I'm trying to do these particular things. And, and so I was able to, to navigate, unfortunately, for about 17 years in and out of addiction. 
yeah. it advanced into other recreational drugs, cocaine, methamphetamine. Um, and then the world came crashing into me and offered me success and fame and fortune through fitness. And so I started traveling the world uh, doing fitness, if you can believe that. Wow. And that was, again, uh, one of the greatest, worst things that could ever possibly happen. Because here I am traveling around the world, again, unbridled, nobody taking account for where I am or what I'm doing. And I just took the world for everything that it said you should have it for, um, including, you know, as I mentioned, drugs, alcohol, women, the whole bit. Right. Um, had an encounter with the Lord, though, uh, back in the summer of 1998, because I knew that I was dying. I had come into a relationship with God, uh, but I didn't understand what that really meant. A woman, you know, shared the gospel with me. I had then, you know, prayed to receive Christ, whatever that meant. Um, mm -hmm. Got involved in discipleship a little bit. But again, it didn't make sense to me because it was this viceroy, long robe, bearded, you know, old guy with yeah. this penal substitution gavel that he was going to strike me over the head if I did anything wrong. Yeah. Um, so I kind of navigated Christianity that way. Uh, it didn't work real well. And as I mentioned, I went back into the world again until the summer of 1998, where I knew that I was dying. I knew that the life that I was living was going to end me up in those three places, prison and insane asylum or in a, in a morgue, basically. Yeah. And I said to the Lord, um, you know, I, I need help. It was really the first time in my life that I cried out individually for the help of God and called a voice, called a, you know, whatever, a prompting. He reminded me of this little church in downtown Dallas, which is where I was living at the time. And I decided, OK, well, I'll go attend that church. So I went into the church um, as any person who was addicted. Um, I was unfortunately a really good addict at the time, went into the bathroom of the church, did methamphetamine in the bathroom of the church, because you never know how long the service was going to last and you didn't want to start coming down. And then took my spot basically in the second to the last row of a church of about, oh, 175 people. Yeah. And I could still do church. I could still put on the front. I could still tell people exactly what they wanted to hear. How's it going on? Oh, I'm blessed. Everything's going well. But in that moment, I was sitting there and the worship music began and a woman who I'd never met before uh, went up to the pastor and said to, the, said to the pastor, Pastor, I believe I have a word from the Lord for somebody. Now, I was very intrigued by this, obviously, because yeah. here I am. I've got people chasing me that don't even exist because I've been up for three days, basically. Wow. And now this lady's going to talk for God. And so I leaned in. Because obviously anybody who's involved in addiction of any kind is is pretty open to spiritual things because we've encountered a lot of stuff along our journey yeah. um, from the occult and from the dark side. And so I leaned in. And as soon as that woman's foot hit the floor of that aisle leading up the crowd, guys, man, I was looking for a place to hide because I knew exactly what was coming. And here she comes. And she found me in that little church. And she looked at me, never met her before in my life. And she basically pointed her finger at me and she said, young man, God wants you to know he's going to restore the years the locusts have eaten. Wow. And, and that was my moment. Um, here I am addicted, using the world, using people um, for my glory, mm -hmm. you know, and here's this little woman speaking for God and the God of the universe. Um, 
is willing to encounter me in that environment. And I said, the next breath I take is going to be for you. And so I, the last thing I remember, or the next thing I remember is they were praying for me at the altar. And I walked out of that place completely sober. Um, complete, the desire was removed. Um, the compulsion, the mental obsession was completely removed. And I walked out into liberty. And now, guys, I want to tell you that that was the end of the story. But unfortunately, it wasn't for me. Because even though I knew that I'd been set free, I still had some lies that I was believing. Lies about my identity, lies about what was appropriate, lies about the world and the world system and kind of what I could do and what I could participate in. And so I started agreeing with those lies slowly but surely, and they started creeping in again. And so then that was basically, as I mentioned, August, the summer of 98. And in November of 98, I started using it again, guys. Yeah. Um, and it was a moment in which I recognized and realized what I was doing was in error, but those lies kept on forming and kept on feeding me all of the information. And I kept on agreeing with those lies. And so finally, February 21st, 1999, I finally got honest and I got honest with my fiance at the time, girlfriend at the time, I'll take that back. She was my fiance at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I went ahead and, and just got gut-wrenching on us. I said, this is what's going on. And you know, guys, for the first time in my life, I had somebody not reject me, not recoil from me. But instead, she looked at me and she said, okay, let's go. Let's go. And I don't know about you, as a man, when you have a woman um, who believes in you so much, and she affirms you so much. Mm. And she says, I'm not proud of what you did, but I'm proud of who you're going to become. That was all I needed. So for yep. me, I, my chest got high and I started. Now, granted, there was some there was some work to be done, though. Sure. Um, and the work was done in me going back and stop and to stop agreeing with the lies. And so I went through uh, discipleship. I went through, you know, some biblical training. I went through some healing with some folks. And as a result of that, what I did is I chose to undergird and support everything I knew was true about me, everything I desired, but I was willing to do the work. I call that the principle of the spirit and the shovel. And so we have freedom and liberty through the spirit of Christ that works in our lives. Yeah. But a lot of times that comes in the form of a shovel. And so we have to go after it and pick up the shovel and break up the fallow ground of our heart usually and break up that fallow ground and allow him to come in then and allow those seeds that we've received from church, from people, from others around us and allow those seeds to begin to grow. And so really that was the long, that's a very long story compressed down into about nine minutes, I think probably. Somewhere around there, yeah. Yeah, but ultimately for me guys, there was a moment in which I recognized the truth of God's word. And I recognized that my prayers for God to do something for me revolved around me being willing to do something for myself. And I think as an addict, we have this idea, this concept, well, if God wanted me to stop, he'd stop me. Um, I can assure every addict, every person listening to this today, God wants you to stop. But what he often does is he brings it in the form of a shovel. And so you're going to have to do the work, go to meetings, find a sponsor, stop agreeing with the lies and do it in an effort 
in order to, as, as I mentioned before, in an effort to break up that fallow ground of your heart so that the spirit of Christ can truly come in and remind us of our beloved identity in, in who we are in him. So, um, long story, not unique, um, but it's mine. And so that that's kind of where I end up today in a, in a ministry that we have called life recovery. Wow. Story, Michael. Thanks. That's an incredible story. Incredibly powerful. Yeah. Incredibly powerful. Yeah. So, um, and Michael, you just, you just read my book. We were talking briefly about it a minute ago. So, uh, you know, I share a similar story with you. Um, and you know, coming, coming from where we are now, you know, I'm, I'm just released from, from my addiction on going on about two and a half years now. Yeah. And, you know, it's, for me, uh, you know, what, what, what you were talking about with the, the lady in the church that she pointed out to you, uh, for me, that's I called that my spiritual awakening. Yeah. And it was, you open your eyes up and you see the world and you're not in it. And you, 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 you develop that relationship with God to slowly bring yourself back into the world to be able to become a functioning member of society. And uh, it took me a long time to figure that out. Um, and I still struggle with it every day. But it's, it's one of those struggles that I know I would get up every morning, put my two feet on the ground and say, I'm not going to be used today. Mm-hmm. And my wife says every day, you know, do you still talk to God every day and say, you're not going to be used every day? You know, it's minute by minute for me. It's, it's hour by hour. It's... You know, you have the temptations all the time. You have to be able to fight those dogs. And that's that's where it is for me. It is a daily reprieve, you know, as, yeah. as the big book calls it, one day at a time. Uh, the Bible calls it, this is the day that the Lord has made. And all those principles apply across the board. Um, and so, you know, the life recovery ministry that we have here is what we're, what we're trying to do is help people recover the life that Christ intended. And as I mentioned in the in the previous story, you know, so often it doesn't it, addiction is not the, the issue per se. You know, it's not that you're addicted to meth, it's not that you're addicted to alcohol, it's not that you're addicted to porn. It's it's a matter of what are the lies that you're agreeing with? Because those lies take up manifestations in our existence. It's bondage. I think that, guys, I think that's really what we're talking about. Yep. It really is bondage. I mean, it could be bondage to a spirit of religion. It could be bondage to um, safeguards that we happen to put around our lives. It could be bondage in the arrogance of saying, well, at least as a Pharisee, at least I'm not as bad as them. You know, thank you, Lord, that I'm not a decrepit person like they are, you know, addicted to methamphetamine. And yet there's pride, there's arrogance, there's willful disobedience to the spirit of Christ. We find ourselves in that bondage. Yeah. Uh, And so the life recovery ministry here is designed to help people exchange, literally make an exchange, exchange in the lie for the truth of God's word. Uh, We have an acronym, it's ACT, ACT. You admit that you've participated in that thing. You renounce it. When the word of God says we renounce underhanded ways, that word literally means to speak out loud against it. So we renounce underhanded ways. And then the C is we confess the truth. ARC, it's an ARC model. ARC, I think I said ARC, but ARC. Admit, renounce, confess. Uh, and if we're willing to do that, <clears throat> getting back to your point, man, um, every day, that's where we start. 
And then along the course of the day, I need to remind myself, you know what? No, I specifically remember renouncing that as a lie and I'm not gonna agree with that lie anymore. Um, and so that's kind of what we try to do here in this in this ministry, as well as you know help people with everything: depression, anxiety, fear, loneliness, uh, bipolar disorder, all the different variety of mental health issues that people are going through. And some of them, 80% of them, I think, are agreement with lies. There are others in which you know people probably need some additional assistance, some some professional help. And then there are still others that probably need even more than that. But the whole point is we're trying to remove the stigma we're trying to remove uh, this us and them mentality that the church has had for so long particularly when it comes to mental health issues Um, and we're trying to embrace people and welcome them as they are imagine that right what did Jesus do yeah as they are um, to come to table. We always want to let them know that the table is set for you to come in at any point in time that you want to sit and eat. But we're going to ask some things of you that if you have some mess in your life, um, we're going to ask where you, you know, consider cleaning up that mess. No judgment, no stigma, um, no expectation other than that they would be obedient to what the Lord is asking them to do. So, Michael, let me ask you this. So we're, we're having this podcast during the COVID-19 yeah. quarantine, and uh, we're, we're briefly discussing you know, the, the increase in alcohol usage. Um, so what, what can we tell our listeners uh, from the standpoint of the church and the increase that society is going through with, with alcohol? And I would assume drugs as well, uh, but they don't report on that as much. Um, but just the increase in alcohol usage and you know, being cooped up inside. Um, there's been a correlation of domestic violence disputes. Um, all of that feeds into each other. It does. Um, yeah. So you know, what, what can we tell from from the church and from from the ministry to, to, to give some words of encouragement to others? Oh man, um, how much time do you have, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's a question um, for the agents, and it's one that we're dealing with here here as yeah. well. You know, I think as you mentioned, um, I read an article that said 50, alcohol sales are up 54% in the last two weeks. I think you mentioned that they're up over 100% um, in, the, in the state of Texas. Um, much of that I think stems from anxiety and fear um, and unknowing. And I think that's the part of this COVID-19 that is so paralyzing to a lot of individuals is the fact that we don't know the answers. And so it's human nature to try to understand. Uh, just give me the information, give me what I'm supposed to do, and then I'll be able to figure things out along the way. The problem with this COVID-19 thing is information is not gonna help with the anxiety or the fear. Um, even doing practical things seemingly, which is very important. I mean, be prudent, be wise, heed the advice of the governing authorities, do all those things. But that even for some way doesn't work out and people do catch this COVID-19. And a lot of times with anxiety, we have this innate fight or flight response in how we respond to things. Yeah, that was given to us. Um, by the Lord. Um, Fear was not given to us by the Lord. I mean, we know that. But I believe there's this element in every one of us where we have this this fright 
this ability to, to navigate things quickly in order to survive. And so unfortunately what happens is people get in this mode of fright and as a result of that, they, get, they become paralyzed. And so what they want to do is, like I did, I, did, I wanted to anesthetize the pain. I just wanted to escape reality because I recognized that what I was doing in my behaviors, what I was doing with, with girls, what I was doing with people, how I was using those people, that wasn't acting in accordance with truth. And so for me, my addiction was kind of, a, it was a, just a vicious circle in which I was so ashamed of what I was doing and I was so regretful of what was happening, but I couldn't seem to get myself out of it. And so when people are cooped up, particularly with anxiety, what they look for is an escape. And the natural response to that, in many cases, is, well, I'm just gonna check out. I'm just gonna do the old addict's creed, you know, uh, screw it. There's another word for that. I won't right. faster. Um, but, <laughs> but basically we have this attitude as well, you know, just the heck with it. I'm not gonna even bother. And so we go after things and we basically say, if I just had enough information, I would be comfortable. If I just had enough understanding, I would be comfortable. And so if somebody's out there right now and they're, they find themselves back in the throes of alcohol or drugs or some form of addiction, um, the first thing that I would encourage people with is this, um, you don't need to understand everything in order to be set free. You, you just need enough. Yeah. And so stop looking for the answer. Um, the answer is found in the person of Jesus, and he gives us just enough grace to endure for the day. Uh, I talked to someone yesterday, and essentially what they said was, what are we going to do if, we, if we're locked up until May 15th? Because where I sit today, there is this idea in Dallas County that they're going to shut everything down until May 15th. And this person said, what are we going to do if we're shut up until May, shut down, I should say, until May 15th? And I said, why don't we just worry about today? Because when I begin projecting a month and a half out, there's no way I can make that. Right. Because in my, because the, why guys? Because I mean, the Lord hasn't provided me the grace in order to sustain me in this day. And so we get so far out there. Uh, it, it It's kind of like the equivalency of, of us living in Texas, but I'm afraid of getting caught in an undertow at the beaches in California. Right. I'm a, I'm a thousand <laughs> miles away from California. And yet, for whatever reason, I've got this fear and anxiety of something that doesn't even come into the realm of existence until I travel, you know, 1800 miles to the east. Right, right. Or to the west, I should say. Um, that's the way it is with anxiety and fear. And this whole COVID-19, we look at it and we say, how am I ever going to make it 45 more days? instead of relying upon the grace that the Lord has provided for this day. That's, I mean, addiction. We're talking about that specifically. When I got sober, the, I didn't think about how I was gonna get through 4th of July, how I was gonna get through New Year's Eve, how I was gonna, all these different celebratory moments in my life. Yeah. I truly got sober. The only thing that mattered, I think getting back to Justin, what you said, the only thing that matters for me is today. You know, I'm making the choice today to, to remain confident and make sure my sobriety is intact. Um, but this COVID-19 
wants us to get out in front of it. And all of a sudden, you know, the next 10 days are going to be the worst 10 days in the history of the United States of America. How is that encouraging? But we can begin to agree with that lie and, and just start checking out again. Um, I know for me, you know, I, I admit that I'm anxious. That helps. It brings yeah. something that's, you know, emotional into the physical realm. Um, I talk to people about that as well. And so that actually brings some relief. Um, I practice uh, an element of mindfulness. You know, what is mindfulness? It's taking the present moment without judging it as being good or bad. Just being present in the moment, I think is something that for addicts, um, we can often, we don't do a very good job of that. Uh, We start trying to figure out, you know, how am I gonna get out of this thing tomorrow? when, as I mentioned before, the Lord gives us grace to endure for the day. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Last episode. Oh, I'm sorry, Jason, go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> um, that's very powerful. Um, but Michael, our last episode, we kind of talked about some different ways that, um, uh, our listeners can kind of cope with, uh, the stress and anxiety, um, and just kind of um, mental pressure um, that COVID-19 has kind of brought upon us. I didn't really make, make mean to make this whole episode about COVID-19, but I just thought since it was our last episode, we talked about it. Do you, is there any different ways to maybe you could recommend um, some different ways to cope um, Guys, welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, Michael had to dip out. He had to leave real, real quick. We uh, couldn't take up too, too much of his time. But that was a what a what a lovely guest. That was a powerful story and incredibly um, powerful. I, I, I had the privilege of talking to him for a few minutes before we got onto the podcast. And, um, you know, I, I didn't know the, the depths of his story, but I knew it was something along those lines. And I, I thought that was an incredible story. Yeah, I thought it was. Yeah, I thought it was incredible too. I really enjoyed having him on, um, and uh, I think he could provide um, very good uh, perspective that we normally um, that, that kind of fits along with our show and with our theme. Um, so that was very good. I enjoyed having him on. Um, I think we're gonna have to tr- we're gonna have to try and get him on again at some point later on. Yeah. Um, maybe next time, whenever he has some more time available, I think that would be great. Yeah, definitely. And um, I want to make sure that his his uh, information is posted for everybody and we can provide those counseling services because uh, that, that goes directly with what's what our mission is for the mm-hmm. ministry is providing counseling services, to, counseling services to others. Man, that was hard to say. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it can have a little bit of a tongue twister there at the end, <laughs> but that's all right. Yeah, you're right. Well, um, we'll post all of his information. I'll have it listed down here in the description for you guys you can go down there and check it out um so that's a it's a direct resource for you guys uh to be able to look into those counseling services and um and get the help that you need um especially during this crazy time that we're cooped up jason how you how you been this week man i've been all right uh i've gotten out a little bit uh to see some customers of mine and yeah uh, i've got a busy afternoon so um, i'll be out and about and wearing my mask and trying to be safe that's what that's yeah that's all we can do man that's all we can do uh trying to stay safe me and uh me and my dad are currently uh in kind of like a self-quarantine at the moment you know only going out 
if absolutely necessary. Um, so we're just trying to make sure that uh, we do what we can, make sure we don't inadvertently uh, spread the virus to uh, my grandparents or uh, my mom next weekend. So, Yeah, one thing that we were talking about is the fear of what's going on in society right now. Yeah. And it, it, it is... I have a lot of fear with it. Um, yeah. Um, but as Michael was saying, and I was saying, you know, you take one day at a time. Don't think about the future. Just take one day at a time. Yeah. Um, and that, that's all you can do. Um, so those are my words of advice for the day. <laughs> Very good words of advice. Very good words of advice. Indeed. Um, guys, I think that's just good about do it uh, for for the show here. We had Michael on uh, again. His information is down there in the description. Stay safe out there. Wash your hands. Cause without them I was